This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. This is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood movies. This month, we are taking a look back at Kiki's Delivery Service to see if our nostalgia is warranted. Now, Sarah, you brought this one forward, so you're going to have to tell everyone listening what the plot is in under 60 seconds in our 60-second synopsis. Mark, I don't have a phone, so you're going to have to set a timer. Let me know when you got that ready. Kiki didn't have a phone either. Uh, I have a timer ready. Three, two, one, go. Kiki is a young witch who just turned 13, which means she gets to go do her uh, apprentice training, which means going to a new town that has no witches for a year. After leaving from her home, she kind of crash lands into a seaside town, which seems unfriendly at first, but she meets a baker, pregnant baker, who decides to let her live there, and she decides the only thing she's good at is flying, so she decides to start a delivery service, starting with delivering baked goods as well. She meets all sorts of friends, including a young boy who wants to become a pilot and build an airplane, and an old lady who's very nice, and an artist who lives in the forest. After all sorts of adventures, she gets very sad about things and loses her ability to do magic. Um, she's sad about this for a while, and she needs something to help her regain her magic, which is when her friend, the boy, gets in trouble getting caught up in a dirigible accident. She regains her ability to fly, rescues her friend, and becomes um, welcomed into the town, and everything is good and happy, and her cat has kittens. <laughs> the end. The end. Very well done. I do want to get to a lot of parts of that. Um, but let's get into long form. What do we see as adults that we may have missed as children? The first thing I want to talk about, the conceit of this film is that Kiki, a 13-year-old witch, is going off for a year away from home to continue her training. It very much seems like she does not have any training up until this point because she can barely fly a broom and she has no other skills. Yeah. Well, and then she meets some other girl while she's flying away from home that night. And the girl says, oh, it must be your first time. And she says, yeah, I'm going to go learn to be a witch or something. Yeah, I just got the impression that, like, her mom that we meet early in the film is, like, the local potions person. And she makes specialty potions for the townspeople. The witch that you talk about that she meets is a fortune teller. Like, there's other magical abilities that, like, her mom just neglected to teach her about. It seems like he her ability he just is trying to fly. Isn't very good. <laughs> At anything. I mean, it could be she's bad at magic. I took it more to be, I think the mom does it a lot. like, oh, I just haven't had the time to teach her about potions. It's just like, you had 13 years. I wonder if she never got to it because Kiki's just not very good. And she's like, well, we've been working on this and she's not very good. We got to put off all the other stuff. And, well, that's a good point because when... At the movie starts, Kiki's all excited about the weather that night because she's like, oh, I'm going to leave tonight because it's good weather. And her mom tries to talk her out of it like, oh, well, don't you want to stick around and be with us longer? And maybe that was mom subtly saying, you don't really know what you're doing. Maybe we should keep you here longer. <laughs> 
But I hadn't thought of it that way before until you just the said that. The mom does uh, force her to take the mom's broom instead of Kiki's broom on the trip, which was a good thing because, like, Kiki has a hard enough time on this professional broom. Um, a lot of Studio Ghibli stuff is based on books. And apparently, this one I didn't know, but it is. Um, it wasn't translated into English until, like, 2013, so it's not one I've read. So I wonder if that is described a little more in the book. Maybe. Why she's so bad at stuff. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't read it because it wasn't translated into English until way after I watched this movie. Some of the other Studio Ghibli stuff that's based on books, I have read the books, like Howl's Moving Castle and um, Ariadne, um, which is The Borrowers. Those ones I have. This one, I haven't because the others were based on um, British books. This one was based on an actual Japanese book. Do you want to know the first time I saw this movie? Was it for this podcast? It was like two weeks ago. <laughs> So. Is this is this your first Studio Ghibli as well? I have seen Moving Castle before, okay. like once, because it was on TV, I think. i but. trying to think when this dub would have come out. So this dub came out in 97. That's probably about when I... S- I might have seen this beforehand with the other... Subtitles? Well, either with subtitles dub. or with the other dub. There was a different dub before the Disney dub, because I feel like I saw it before then, but still even in 97, I would have been eight or nine. Um, <laughs> so that might have been uh, about right, because this came out in 80, nine. 89. Um, the first dub came out in... Uh, someone stall for me. Sure. Well, I do <laughs> want to talk about Studio Ghibli as a whole, because there's so many things that are iconic to the things that they make that appear in this film because of course they do it's their art style uh one of the things i love is um when kiki is running home after listening to the radio running home excitedly to tell her parents tonight's the night i'm going to take off and seek my fortune in a new town i love the way they animate her running like studio ghibli is really great with animating kids movements in that Some of her steps are really, uh, they're risky, but she approaches them with the confidence of a child, not knowing how risky her steps are. And some of them are really tentative. And like, she's always like dodging and weaving. There's a point where like she goes under a fence because it's a well-known shortcut that she's obviously done a million times. I love the way that Ghibli animates children. Just they're so bouncy. But you don't like the way they animate everything else? (laughs) No, I'm just saying it's particularly interesting the difference they make between like children movements and adult movements. I would put this, 1990 was the first English dub of this, the non-Disney one. So yeah, I could have seen that one first. But still, the Disney one came out when I was still very young. This one reminds me a lot because this is very bright, happy within the the Studio Ghibli Miyazaki work. This reminds me a lot more of like, um, kind of in the spear with Ponyo. Um, like a Totoro. Yes. As opposed to, there's definitely Studio Ghibli stuff that gets very dark or very, very um, unhappy. Obviously, uh, Mononoke is very dark. Um, Spirited Away at times can... Uh, Spirited Away is kind of in the middle. Parts of Spirited Away are very much in this light, happy thing. Parts of Spirited Away get into more of the Mononoke. I feel like that's the same as like Howl's Moving Castle as well. Yes. Howl's Moving Castle goes somewhere in the middle with with Spirited Away. Grave of the Fireflies just makes me cry like a baby. Um, (laughs) What's the other one? Um, Is it Sound of the Wind, Spirit of the Wind? Oh, uh, yes. 
Um, I know what you're um, talking about. And then, uh, what's the pig flying one? Is that Russo? Oh, oh no. Um, yeah. But then there's some weird ones, like Lupin's kind of weird. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, cause Lupin was a, an existing character. Like, yes. he's had movies before, and then like, so I have a Miyazaki set. A Lupin is a French, is kind of like a French Sherlock Holmesy. Yeah. Uh, thing. So like I had seen Lupin before. I yeah. was a fan of the anime of Lupin the Third, and then like finding that Miyazaki, the first one uh, in the set I have, which is chronological of Studio Ghibli films, was a Lupin film, which to me seemed a weird pick because Lupin is kind of a James Bond. He's always getting out of trouble, and like he's always trying to get laid, uh, which seemed a weird choice for, like, this company that I know to make children's films. Uh, oh, a Valley of the Wind. That's what it is. I have nothing to add to this conversation, so I'm just <laughs> letting you talk. Uh, so one of the other iconic things of uh, Studio Ghibli films is that he's very good at, like, these idyllic uh, small town places where either like they're living in the countryside where things are far apart, but like the environment is so welcoming and Beautiful inviting. Beautiful landscapes. Right. And it's, it's always a, like a stark contrast against the cityscapes that they go and visit. For instance, in this, Kiki, while she's traveling to the seaside town, uh, travels over a, a more industrialized city, and you can tell the difference in, like, the smog and the smoke around it. Well, I know, even though I haven't seen most of these, you can tell just the look, of the style of the animation, just from, like, even a still shot of it, you can usually tell that it's the studio that did it. And, yeah. and this has a little more of the 1980s anime look with the stylized of the characters, a little more simplistic a little spirited away is a lot more complicated in the look but of course that was that was a big film for studio ghibli i mean that won it um the oscar but but i think it's such looking at it and and i probably carl and i are probably more i'm, I'm not sure of the three of us who would be the most anime connoisseur oh i've seen a bit but like there's very few animes that like i've really gotten into and watched every episode of like i'm aware of more anime that i've seen though i've i've watched quite a bit and quite a bit of like um older and and some okay then it's less. probably it's you. probably you i have watched yeah, some but more more mostly it's the and mainstream I've, stuff I've that everybody's heard of read so. a lot of manga uh, and a lot of sure. um especially like 80s 90s cutesy manga like mm. um but a lot of especially a lot of, and also a lot of the 80s 90s like kind of light-hearted fighting manga which but but of that time period this style is very reminiscent where where the characters and stuff seem very simplistic but it's not lazy simplistic that's just kind of the look and the style you you look at like sailor moon and it's kind of a similar look where it's not overly realistic but it's still very visually pleasing it's just very lighthearted and cute with its simplicity as opposed to like it looks like it was drawn that way because they don't know how to draw and i guess it uh a contrast that I found between this and anime I've seen is, like, these characters, while not drawn super realistically, do feel like real people. Yeah. Like, they're, they're grounded in a way that, say, anime characters aren't necessarily a lot of anime characters, especially side characters. They're archetypes. Mm -hmm. They're like a fighter with a special move and a special outfit that 
mirrors the kind of thing that they do in a battle and they'll fight one time and you'll never see them again. Uh, but yeah. one other thing I wanted to mention about his, uh, the townscapes, the thing I love about the seaside village that she goes to is that it's an idealized, like, uh, Mediterranean town or kind of a, it, with the streetcars that kind of reminded me of San Francisco as well. But I loved, uh, the way the cities is designed. It seemed like it just kept building and expanding. Like it wasn't planned. They just kept adding buildings and buildings, which created like all of these alleyways and side streets and turning corners and it just i love the way that this city looks and it feels like it would be fun to live there it it feels as opposed to some of the others which are very obviously japan inspired this one was very european inspired um not only the mediterranean but also the um i would say there's some inspiration to places like the lowlands and then maybe a little Scandinavia, places like Copenhagen and Denmark with that kind of area, or also like Holland with all of the kind of seaside areas, and also the very narrow streets and things like that that you see in these very little European towns where there's just little narrow alleyways and twists and turns and stuff like that. Um, Howl's Moving Castle in the the first couple scenes when you're still in the village has a very similar feel with this very cutesy little town with little nooks and crannies and shops and it feels very like like a town where people know each other and I think that goes to the thing where when she gets there that there's not a whole lot of plot with this but the the main arc of her feeling like she needs to belong right if you were in a big city well you don't need to belong because you find your little spot and it's a huge city and you don't find it you go to another like district or area in this little town it feels like everyone knows each other and so when she does her one heroic act at the end, that's what it takes because now suddenly the entire town knows and the entire town recognizes her because it's such this little like... Though it establishes at the beginning this whole feeling about witches and at the certain age you're supposed to leave home and go do your training, etc. But then when she lands in this town, everybody is so surprised that she can fly and... The one, it sound, I think she had a conversation with one of the people early on about, sure, the oh, guy you must be a, a witch. Tower. That must be, that's like oh, so old and traditional. I haven't seen witches in these parts in forever. Do you think that that's because she accidentally got on that train and fell asleep and got to a town that was farther away than it should have been? Or is it just that witches don't go there very often? Or I took it to be... Witches are fairly uncommon. Like, there may not be a lot of them. And it, I took it also to be like, a witch has one daughter. That daughter becomes a witch. And when she's 13, she goes off and finds a town. But maybe this town clearly hasn't seen a witch in like a couple of generations. Just for whatever reason, the witches migrated, the families moved around. Well, because like, you, you start off with her and her family who all know about witches, and then the first person she meets when she's flying is another witch who's telling stories about her training in this big city. So there are some cities that must be still aware that witches exist. <laughs> so yeah. it was just yeah, interesting absolutely. for her to get here, and then everybody was so surprised because they haven't seen witches in so long. Ended up in an area that just was unlucky, and a witch just, just witches never decided to go there. 
And if it, before we get too far away from the through lines of Studio Ghibli, the last thing I want to mention was uh, one of the unique things about Studio Ghibli films, supposed to like other, granted this is a Disney dub, they didn't have a lot to do with the production, but as opposed to Disney films, Ghibli films don't have like a strong antagonist most times. Like this film doesn't have a villain. In My Neighbor Totoro, there is no villain. Even in Howl's Moving Castle, like, the villain is really the war going around, and it's not really personified in a specific character. And it's just, it, it's an interesting way to tell a story where you have a protagonist, but what they're up against is not another person, it's the world. And it feels more realistic, because... In real life, we don't have arch nemeses. We just, like, we have to find our own way. Speak for yourself, Carl. <laughs> um, Princess Mononoke, it's more about man versus nature, I guess, sort of thing. It's it's more an environmental net message sort of thing. Of it, It's the wild versus the, the destruction of the woods sort of thing. So I, I've always, like, connected with these films on a different level than I connect on Disney films. Because... With that, it does feel like more real, more like I'm watching a story that could actually happen, even though this one is magic. And I will. Disney worked with Studio Ghibli for 15, 20 years as their U.S. distributor. I don't think they work together anymore. I think that um, contract um, just it was their time limit and came to the end. They were very good at when uh, they were working together. Disney helped put in money and get good actors for dubs, but I think they were pretty good at always making Studio Ghibli, Miyazaki, the like top names on those billings and not being like Disney, like featuring Studio Ghibli. It was always Studio Ghibli, but Disney was kind of like, hey, we'll make sure we can use our power to get you the U.S. And that's an excellent transition into the voice actors in this film, which are really well-known actors for this dub. Yeah, um, yeah, because we I chose specifically, because obviously there's three versions of this. There's the original Japanese, there's the first English dub, and the second Disney English dub. I chose this because this is the one I remember the most from watching as a child, and so that's why I picked it for our nostalgic-based podcast. Yeah. And not to get into any arguments over subs versus dubs, but I'm of the stance of do whatever makes it easier for you to watch, as long as it's not a terrible four kids dub. <laughs> There's my stance. As long as it's not Pokemon being like, look at my piece of pizza that's a rice ball. <laughs> do what makes it. <laughs> no, no, those are jelly donuts. Sarah. Jelly donuts. So as long as it's not that kind of dub, do what makes it most accessible to you. Yeah, and uh, the version I have is like it's a compilation of ghibli films but they're all the disney dubs of things and so my version we can get into the the voices i didn't recognize but kiki is played by kirsten dunce her cat Gigi is played by phil hartman rest in peace phil hartman i know he's ah, he is such a distinct voice and i liked him in so many things i think we talked about being sad about this when we so did the first, the first voice i actually recognized unfortunately was the pregnant lady that she runs into in the town oh. it was mostly when she oh, started Sona. laughing and i was like i know that laugh and, and then when i looked her up i found out the other voices and once i found them out and started i was like oh i can hear that i didn't look it up you can tell me who it is but i have a guess it, did she do a voice in the Rugrats? Because that's what it sounded like to me. She might have, like, but yeah. that's not like, where Phil I know Like Phil and Lil's from. mom is okay. what it sounded like to me. Would you like to know what 
She did do a voice in the Rugrats. Okay. She did probably did voices in lots of shows, but I know her from two other shows specifically. So, so the laugh reminded me specifically of one character that I'm pretty sure she did. Okay. Are you going to share it with us? I have to remember the character's name. You're supposed name. to guess, Carl. Come on. <laughs> I want to see if... um. Well, Mark, did, you looked it up. You know for sure, yep. right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, the laugh sounded distinct, but I couldn't place it. And the closest I got was the Rugrats character. I'm just waiting for Sarah to find it now. But Well, I couldn't remember if she did the old lady uh, I character so. from Animaniacs. Because that's what Because oh, I knew she was an Animaniacs. She played Wait, Dawn. The, the squirrel? The yeah. squirrel old lady? Because that's what the laugh sounded. I knew she did Animaniacs. Slappy? Yeah. I don't know if she was Slappy, but I know she did Animaniacs voices. But she did Dot. I don't know if she did Slappy, but she did Dot. Oh, yeah. Okay. But it was definitely a Dot laugh, too. It was like I ah. recognized it from a different show. What? Oh, was it the old lady from Simpsons? Yes. <laughs> the, the cat okay. lady? No, just there's no. the old lady, but also... um, Which old lady? Are we talking about Skinner's mom? Futurama, yeah, yeah, maybe. No, it was somebody, uh, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> like, it was the exact same laugh every time. <laughs> oh, no, it's, she didn't do Slappy, but she did do Dot. By the way, are we talking about, we should tell our audience, are we talking about Tress McNeil? Yes. Yes. Okay, that is who you can look up to our listeners if you want to see all oh, the things that oh, this no. of voices. You know what laugh I was thinking of? Babs Bunny. That's the laugh I'm thinking of. From Tiny Toons. It's been a long time since I've seen that show. Well, apparently she did do a voice on the Rugrats movie, but she is not who I thought she was. She played Chucky's mom. Oh no, Charlotte. No, wait, Chucky's... Never mind. I read it wrong. Forget everything I've said. Let's move on. Everything you've said. Yeah, we're going to have to start over. Yes, this is retrograding. She she played Tommy's mom. Tommy's mom. That's what it is. Charlotte Pickle. She played Daisy Duck. We've lost our minds. We've lost our minds. All right. All right. Let's talk about the other actors and actresses. Because uh, I think Matthew Lawrence played the Kiki's love interest uh, who was... Tombo. Tombo N. Kapori is his real name, but they call him Tombo. Now, I I will say something, and hopefully I don't get in trouble. Is sure. it that Matthew what, Lawrence is the best looking of the Lawrence that, brothers? Is it that Japanese names are hard to remember? Well, there's that too. When I was watching this, since I had not seen it before, that kid came on the screen, and my first thought uh-huh. was, oh, now I see why Carl liked this movie so much, because he must. this guy must have reminded him of himself. <laughs> <laughs> What? I don't know. I don't know why, but that's what came into my head. So this is a child who dresses like Waldo. Yep. What part of that reminded you of me? I have no idea. I thought we were going to say that Matthew Lawrence is the best looking of the Lawrence brothers, and I think we can all agree on that. He wants to build the things himself, and he's part of this uh, flying okay. club, and etc. No, actually, watching... Well, it might have appealed to me as a child, but watching this as a as an adult, it occurred to me that he doesn't know about, like, aerodynamics as much as he thinks hey, he does. Hey, his plane works! But, uh, you know what? That's a bit of movie magic, in, and it I was gonna say something about that later, because I don't know why it flew, but they also brought that up in part of their dialogue. 
but because he says, "Oh, maybe your credits. magic made my bike fly," and she says, it, "Maybe." Yes, I think that is why his bike flew with only a propeller. It does fly in the credits. <laughs> it does. I saw the credits, and that's movie magic and BS. Because <laughs> what he's done is he's attached an airplane propeller to his bicycle. And so he pedals on his bicycle, which spins the propeller. But apparently this just makes his bike go super slow because all of the uh, mechanical energy he's generating with his feet is transferred to the propeller, which doesn't propel him forward. And like very little is getting to the wheels. And so he's crawling along. Propellers are meant to make craft go very quickly because you need to go very quickly to generate lift. Hit, there's no way that thing should work. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought that. <laughs> My question on voices, did anyone recognize the voice of Grunting Man? Grunting uh, Man. Os- 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 oh, was that husband. the husband guy? Ah, uh, okay. So I didn't know who this guy was. I didn't even know he was the husband until I saw him at the end. I assumed, because of the way he's he's drawn, he seems much younger than Osono. Mm-hmm. So I assumed he was just like this buff teenager who was a helper at the yeah, shop. Yeah, I thought he was just a baker until Did you have that much like like I that didn't much sideburns as so a teenager? I had to come up with names for him and I called him Brock Thickbody <laughs> and Beefcake McGee. <laughs> I mean but he is uncreditedly yeah. played by a famous person. I, I feel Does like he I have any lines? No, he grunts. Oh, that's why I called grunts. him. That's why I called him Grunting Man, and probably why he's uncredited. Is this uh, so? Was it played by Vin Diesel? It's he's right up his alley. <laughs> no, it's played by Brad Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody loves rape. Um, but other famous people, uh, Madam the Grandmother Lady. Did, could you tell who this was without looking? Uh, no, I didn't know it. Uh, Debbie Reynolds, R.I.P. Could you tell who her... Oh, my favorite character in this movie. (laughs) Was it the helper? Yes, her maid, who throughout the dirigible accident is just like, oh, this is so terrible. I love it. And I'm just like... Yeah, the lady flipping (laughs) through the TV at the... Yeah. Oh, see, I thought you loved her because when Kiki goes for her first deliver at the house, she borrows the broom broom and pretends to ride it in the hallway. (laughs) That is also very funny, but her just taking joy in, like, people getting injured by the dirigible. Yeah, this sounds like Sarah's favorite. delightful. (laughs) Anyway, did you recognize this voice? Because I definitely did. She's just been in a bunch of stuff. Like, her voice is just very uh, familiar from being, like, uh, I think she was also in A Bug's Life. She played, like, the assistant to the queen. Okay. She just has a very, like, I talk like this sort of voice. Wait, wait, wait. The assistant to the queen in that film was the same as the receptionist in Ferris Bueller. Yeah, that's who it is. She's that's the, who like, it is. Okay. The, the little dowdy little redheaded lady, Eddie McClurg. Yeah, that lady. I, I, can, I can see that. And then the person you didn't recognize... The artist lady, because she's oh, she's much nicer than this. That's Janine Garofalo. That's Janine okay. Garofalo, because she sounds much nicer than Janine Garofalo normally did in the 90s. Yeah, Janine Garofalo is known for being a cynical comic, so her being, like, somewhat joyful and artistic in this. Uh, Although she was also rather sarcastic at times in this movie. But she wasn't like, I'm talking like I've maybe smoked a couple, and I'm like... Not, it. Phil Hartman in this movie, I feel like it almost was a disservice to him. 
Yeah, there's not I, a lot for I don't, the cat to do. And maybe do. it was what they wanted on purpose, but it was just very monotone and oh. bland lines, and it was just, I am talking like this now. His line is basically, Kiki, maybe we shouldn't do that. And, but I mean, maybe it was on purpose that he spoke that way, but it was just, his the 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 reading of it even was just really bland. It wasn't very expressive to me. It's not as fun as the Billy Crystal one in um, Housewind Castle. Calcifer. There's one more voice I have to point out. Did you catch who did the voice of the little boy who gets the cat toy? It sounds familiar. Like... I'm remembering his voice in my mind. I can't place it. The little the little jerk kid who ran around and didn't want the toy, but then... The yeah, we, we should talk about that <laughs> second, but what was the The voice? little jerk kid. Her name is Pamela Adlon. She's probably... She do Bart Simpson? No. No, but no different s- Similar character. Similar for doing the voice of a little boy. Known for things like Pajama Sam and Bobby Hill. Oh, Bobby Hill. But, the, Mark, to your point, it it does seem that Kiki exclusively to, delivers to... Jerk children? Un, ungrateful recipients. Yes. It seems like everybody she her goes customers to doesn't want are her to always be great, but the people they're sending stuff to never want the things that she's delivering. Yeah, like the... Well, she brings the pacifier, and that lady was happy, I guess, the first well, time. Well, she was also scared because Kiki, like, flew down in front of her. <laughs> yeah. But then what, the, there was the cat one that, first of all, she lost, and didn't even, she lies to them and gives them a fake present, and then has to go get it back. Because she doesn't respect birds. Yes, she is an egg stealer. But she didn't but respect the geese. She was also she late more than once because there was that one. And then there's another time when they left her in charge of the whole store for some reason. And oh, and yeah. then at the end, she's talking to her about parties she has to go to. And then she says, oh, no, I was supposed to deliver this thing. And it's almost four o'clock. I have to go right now. It's like they that when, was for the when really did big they box. drop that off. Oh, for the big box. It was the big box. He had just uh, delivered that. Multiple um, times she's late, and then the people don't even want it when she gets there. (laughs) I don't think she was late for the box. I think it was just that she had to get all of that stuff done before six. So she could go to the party. the box delivery. This is a... So it's a tricky delivery for her because it's a very heavy box to explain to our audience. So she's still able to fly on the broom to get it across town. And then we see her just hauling it up the stairs... By foot, when she could just use the broom she's already been using. I think it's rude to ride your broom indoors. Who's to say? This town hasn't seen witches in several generations. I'm How sure, do they know what's I'm rude? Sh- I think she knows what's rude. I think it's like witch culture. You don't know witch culture. I'm sorry, witch culture? <laughs> witch witch. We, I didn't bring this up when we were talking specifically about Studio Ghibli stuff. Is it is it a common thing for them to show off kids' underwear as often as possible in a movie? <laughs> so, it's not uncommon. I think there's less of a stigma for that in Japan than there may be in America. Well, although, so the one then when they get in the train, she's like, I have to take off these wet clothes, and the cat goes, hello. Yeah. <laughs> and then later on, she's doing something else, and cat's says naked <laughs> like i forget what she was talking about but she wanted to do something and the cat said that they oh should do it oh naked. it's when and they're talking about her posing for janine oh Robert. yeah oh, right, posing right, for right. art and he wants her to do it naked so and, and i also think because it's not really underwear 
It's like an undershirt and bloomers. Well, right. Yeah. Mark, you should also, um, that might be a different translation because the, if you have both the English dubs and the English subs on at the same time, it doesn't always match one to one. And so the direct translation of Japanese may be not the same as what they gave the lines to the English actor. So it, yeah. it could be that it's, it's an Americanization of that line as opposed to well, the but actual pose, translation. Well, but posing nude for artwork is not necessarily out of the realm of possibilities, but <laughs> it's just, if it's a kid's movie, it's interesting that that stuff is there. Right. Well, I think it's it's so much less of a stigma there, because I think also in uh, My Neighbor Totoro, like, it's certainly younger kids, but like... There's a scene where we see them get into a group bath with their dad because they live in the countryside and this is just the norm for that time period. Well, and bathing with parents or bathing with siblings in Japan and Asian countries, very common just right. because there is such a, a more things with between generations, stuff like that is more common in that area. I think the thing is it's non-sexualized underwear. It's not like a bra. Right, and pants. exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's under um, under layers. It's like if I was wearing like Spanx and a tank top. I think there's also, I, I find um, how translation works fascinating. You watch these things where they're talking about it and how they have to, instead of just with a sub where you do direct translation, you have to make it make sense like phrasing wise, but you also have to match it up to the mouse where it doesn't look like old timey Godzilla movies. And to be those translators is so fascinating. All the work they have to put into it to make it look natural to do a dubbing like i find that stuff fascinating because it's yeah. like it's like three layers of translation what you actually have to do yeah i guess i'd never considered that but you're right the uh the english dub does match the mouth movements where uh the sub would not necessarily no. have to and, and not only do you have to make it match mouth movements a direct translation isn't going to colloquially sound smooth to an English speaker and you have to make it sound where the actor reading it is going to sound like they're acting instead of reading a translate reading like a google translation and so there's different levels of translating you have to do when you're making a script for a dub and I've watched a couple um videos where they're talking about that and it's so fascinating and there's so much work to do a good dub that it's it's very interesting. Yeah, so there's other things I want to get to about this film. Let's see, the first of which is how long, realistically, do you think that Kiki's delivery service can operate? My point here being, both the other two witches we see are uh, a potions maker and a fortune teller, respectively. People who can set up a single shop, have customers come to them, and they have a monopoly over that business market. I assume this town has other delivery services, and maybe some that have multiple trucks so they can make multiple deliveries at the same time. Whereas Kiki is certainly limited in that way, and like, she has a limited growth potential in this market, and eventually she's just gonna get like, physically tired of hauling stuff around well, all the time. That, or she's gonna fly through the rain and get sick. <laughs> or a Sono will give birth and not need someone to do all the work in the shop anymore. So my question is, when she hits the year, 
will she go back home and learn something else now that she's kind of gained confidence and be like, no, I can learn this other stuff as well. And then come back and, I don't know, marry what's-his-face. Tombo. Isn't Tombo that video game with the, like, caveman pig guy? Caveman pig guy. (laughs) Do you mean... Pugsley? No. Not Pugsley. Pug, there's some... Pugsley is from the Adams family. Yes. But there was also some weird creature guy in the Sega Genesis that was something pug something. Anyway. We can, we can get back into it. Tomba. Tomba. You know what? Pigman reminds me of that Power Rangers enemy with that was just oh, like a pig head with arms. I, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. I think that was a oh, uh, that was a Blue Ranger specific episode that I had on VHS. Nice. Tomba. <laughs> Alright. So we're thinking after a year this business is just done. Uh, yeah. Well, but now she could be like, well, I saved this kid. Just hire me as the hero for this town now, and I'll save everyone from whatever perils. Also, side note, the character I was thinking is Pugsy. It was a Sega Genesis game. Anyway. <laughs> I, what? So many things I have never heard of today. It is P-U-G-G-S-Y. Excuse me, what is this slug man? <laughs> it is Pugsy. <laughs> We can talk about it all there. Let's get back to this film. I'm lost. Yeah, so, so it it does seem Maybe that, she's like, going to become a window washer. I did get the impression that when Kiki came into town, she really didn't have a plan. Oh, she 100% didn't. Like, the only reason that her business gets off the ground, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that this lady with a bun in the oven, so to speak, is... Uh, it basically hands her everything. So, like, for the low, low price of working a few hours in her shop each week, she gets a free breakfast, free room and board, and free use of the telephone to start her own business. I think Kiki is a very nice little girl, and Osano yes. uh, is feeling very maternal because she's very pregnant. She's extremely pregnant. And so she's like, I want to protect this little girl who just dropped out of the sky. Yeah, though it did, like, the the analogy I got is, like, Kiki approached her basically saying, I want to start a lemonade stand. And she's like, great, here are all the ingredients you need for lemonade. You just go out there with your store and make whatever money you can make. Well, when they first started, she hadn't come up with the delivery thing yet. So she's just like, child, let me adopt you. And oh, your ideas are cute. Let's go with it. So the first thing she does when she lands in this town, I forget exactly what happened, but she gets uh, chased, she she gets chased down by the cops for some reason. I forget what she did. She almost causes a bush crash. Yes. yes, that's the thing, is that she is flying through the street. People are looking at her. She says to her cat, well, let's look prim and proper because... They've never seen a witch before. We have to make a good impression. And so, like, she's basically flying with her eyes closed, and she tries to fly through a tunnel, and a double-decker bus comes through, and she nearly... And then she, like, scrambles to save herself and nearly causes a multi-car pilot. So, yeah. So she causes... And then she's about to get arrested, and the cop gets distracted by something else and tells her, wait here. So the first thing she does is sneak away from the police. Uh Uh-huh. And then... She ends up going to shops for some reason. What I, Again, I don't remember what she was doing in the shop in the first place. Oh, uh, she wasn't in the shop. She went to a hotel. They said, you can't stay here because you don't have your parents. And then she's she was on, just walking, walking around and 
Osano came out with a pacifier. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. she delivered the pacifier and then stopped back in the shop, and that's how they kind of met. Because she's she delivered the message back. So do you the think... Is, then then on her very girl, first and it fixes a lot of her problems. Her very first delivery, the cat is saying, why are you flying so high to deliver this? And her first thing is, I don't want to run into that cop again. So basically, uh-huh. she's a fugitive from the law from the second she gets into this town. And she doesn't listen to the geese. Yeah, you gotta listen to geese. They they know what they're talking about. They've been doing you know that what, for though? years. If geese were warning her that they were going to fly higher because of wind coming, they didn't move because they got blasted by the wind too. So The wind was well, faster than they thought. They weren't very good at warning if they're just gonna sit there and get hit by it themselves. Uh, the other really good emotional notes in this, something that I think is very true to life, is part of the reason that Kiki loses her powers, I'd say at the start of the third act in this film, is that she's lost her passion for what she's doing and like she it's because she's made what she likes doing flying into her profession and her business while it is getting customers she doesn't feel gratified in the delivery because she has delivered to really ungrateful people and like she starts getting depressed and doesn't want to fly anymore because it has become a job for her and i think that's very true to life like if you start a side hustle of something you really care about and then that becomes your sole source of income. Like, burnout is a real thing that you could experience, and now your life depends on it. I'm sorry, you say the term side hustle is yes. possibly one of the funniest things I've heard today. Why? <laughs> really? It's a real term for, like, your side business. It is, but... Okay, you're thinking about an affair? No, I'm saying this wordy, nerdy white guy saying side hustle okay. is... She'd rather have you say, like, the truffle shuffle or something. Truffle shuffle. Sure. Side sure, sure, business, sure. second job. Your side piece. <laughs> no, that is a gun. <laughs> That's a gun? Your oh, side dating piece. dating the wrong thing. No, your side piece is your secondary weapon. <laughs> uh, but, like, I like that it had that level. Like, that's the main villain in this film. That's why she loses her powers. It isn't something so, takes it away. It's that she loses passion for what she's doing. The villain is ennui. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, like, teenagers really get a lot of the, um... Oh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Angst is the phrase I was looking for. And, like, it's their their introduction to, like, ennui and that feeling of, like, regretting something that you used to enjoy. (laughs) Anyway, I just thought it was a really neat thing to find. It gave depth to this film that maybe didn't have a whole lot of plot in it to begin with. I would agree with that. I don't know about how much depth it had, but it didn't have much plot. Well, the other thing that I thought gave it depth is... Part of the reason she gets their powers back is she goes on vacation with this artist lady who talks about her artistic process. And she shows her like a painting uh, and how some days she just doesn't want to paint or she doesn't feel like she's very good and she doesn't, she can't force herself to do it. And I really like the comparison that this film makes between magic and creativity where you are with a creative endeavor, you're making something out of nothing. And there can be a lot of doubt and a lot of uncertainty 
in you know making that your job and trying to finish something like that. Mark, you're making a face. I was making a face at Sarah because she was making faces. <laughs> I see. My face looks really weird because the lights are off in my room and I just look weird. Uh, th- welcome to my life. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, have you ever not looked weird? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure there's some pictures where I put a lot of stuff on my face and looked kind of normal. There you go. But yeah, um, so for a film that is fairly basic, I do think it has actual life lessons, though told through allegory in this. Now, now, is this Carl or did you have you because you own all of these? Have you like researched anything? This is just so. This is me having watched the film several times yeah. because I, so I had to, while I was looking things up before you know um i came across a thing that said basically that say like all these life lessons that somebody is learning in here and and learning to take your defeats and and be able to get through it and come out the other side or be happy through all these troubles that happen in your life and learning how to get a job or learning about loving someone of the opposite sex and Mm -hmm. uh all these things about transfer because that's why you're 13 is because you're transitioning from child to adulthood and that and i it's interesting because i guess i didn't really notice any of that until i read this other article that was talking about and it's i guess for me first of all i've only seen it twice now because i went and watched it a second time just to try to see if i could pick up anything extra i and again i feel like i say this almost every time but i tend to watch a movie just to just for the entertainment and to kind of get out of my normal life for a few hours and just watch a movie and so i don't i don't sit down and think about all these the deep hidden meanings behind all of the things going on so so a lot of this stuff didn't really occur to me until someone else mentioned it but it's interesting that you came up with the same thing that i found yeah um you brought up a good point that like there's something you mentioned that that reminded me of like a coming of age tale which is what this is is it's the transition from childhood to adulthood but the way that we americanize that story is normally like the protagonist gets their first relationship and they learn to be more confident and they use a skill they thought was useless to be more confident in their lives where i think the american side of that it's always like the relationship is so much of a central focus for them whereas this the relationship between kiki and tombo is kind of ancillary it's a part of the story but they don't even get together until the epilogue and even then it seems like that they don't go on a date they don't kiss or anything they're just hanging out more so like it's more that they started a good friendship and dating may occur later on but we it's not a central focus for the film although from the other side of that i guess you could also say it teaches you about peer groups because at at one point he was he was hanging out with her and they were happy together and then all of his other random friends showed up and he wanted to go off with them and they were making fun of her so she got mad and he still went with his friends uh, but apparently at the end he decided that she was worth it and <laughs> well to be fair to him, he's a teenage boy, and she told him, no, you go ahead. Well, and they didn't really... 
really say much until she left and then they're like, oh, she came by and dropped something off and blah, blah, blah. It was more she originally felt like they were looking at her weird and she didn't feel comfortable. And then when she finally kind of found her place in town, she felt more comfortable because they're in the last scene in the car hanging out with them. So one of the things I noticed on a, a later watch is part of the reason she doesn't join the group in the car that is going to see the dirigible is there's a girl in the car and it's the girl she delivered the pot pie to who was very ungrateful and dressed very nicely and kiki has felt embarrassed about her fashion she showed up this girl's house completely drenched and i think the girl did make a comment on it that uh she was late and it might have gotten wet and she was soaked and so Kiki didn't think she would get along with that girl. And I think that was part of the reason she didn't want to go with them. But a lot of it is more her reflecting that on herself than them saying anything until after she leaves. They were more like, hey, just come with us. But she was more, I don't want to go because I don't feel comfortable. And then when she finally kind of stops pressuring herself so much and kind of feels more comfortable in herself, then she's just... Because they're still, in the end credits, when they're flying, they're still down there in the car. They're all together in the group. So it's not like they're just hanging out the two of them. It's the whole big group. So it's more her stop putting pressure on what she thinks they're saying. So the girl, yeah, she seems kind of snobby, but and the old lady is really nice, but do we really know what their relationship as granddaughter and grandmother is beyond the fact that she doesn't like this grandmother's food? <laughs> right, exactly. And it doesn't invite her grandmother to our parties, apparently. But, it, I mean, it did seem like it was just them and her, her and her friends. Right. Like, yeah. but frankly, that grandmother's pot pie did sound awful. But she worked so hard on it, I Sarah. Know, did it she work like... on it? Because I thought Kiki was the one who ended up making a lot no, of no, it. No, no, no. Kiki started the oven. The so grandmother put did. the pie, the pie together. Was well, then why, was she, why did she sit there and wait for it the whole time? Just, I guess well, because the Popeye needed to be done. done, Mark. That's how cooking works. Yeah. Once the oven starts, cook isn't. I mean, food isn't immediately but, cooked. But the you pie do have to wait for the heat together, to transfer like, what, into like the bread. Herring and like sweet potatoes. Mark, I know you don't cook a lot. Not everything is a <laughs> diet shake or whatever. Or energy bars. But what was it? It was like mm. herring and sweet yeah, potato. Yeah, that wouldn't sound or... good to me anyway. I no, I I I would have been like, oh, it's great. This goes in the back of the fridge. They're like, that was, I think, the turning point for Kiki because she did put, like, all that effort into helping this old woman make the delivery. To be fair, the granddaughter did not know the oven was broken. Right. And, like, the granddaughter didn't ask for it and Kiki assumed that this... The person receiving the pie would be grateful because it would be proportional to the amount of effort it took to put it together. I had a great-grandmother that kept... To be fair, I never told this great-grandmother I did not like this food because I was scared of this great-grandmother. Sarah, she could be listening. No, she cannot. <laughs> she died. She could be listening from heaven, Sarah. Come on. But she used to make me food I did not like, and I was very less like, this is great. I'm uh -huh. eating it. And then I'd be like, keep <laughs> I did not tell her I did not like this food. I was scared of her. She was very old and very stern. And I was like, the food is great. <laughs> so maybe that's why I'm relating to this granddaughter with the terrible food. And I'm like, ah, eat the food. I could have sworn you just said she was a very old. <laughs> 
She wasn't very old. She, okay. she died in her 90s. That's fair. That is a very old. I was I was 19 or 20 when she died. I was a full adult when my great-grandmother died. We are adult. we are nearing the 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 end of our exploration of the plot of this film, which as we've talked about is Fairly simplistic. Uh, did have we talked about cat love yet? <laughs> no, but uh, we can certainly oh, get to it. Yeah. I wanted yeah. so before we got to the finale of the dirigible, I wanted to talk about what were your like favorite moments of the films. What really hit you, Sarah? You already talked about the um, the helper uh, was your favorite character. <laughs> watching the television, the um, so you guys can think of yours as I talk about mine. But one of my favorite moments, um, having watched this twice for this was just the relationship Kiki had with her dad. Because when Kiki is taking off and leaving home, her dad reminds her, well, we were supposed to go on a camping trip this weekend. She's like, well, uh, you know, I've, I have to fly. I have to go off because it's a full moon and tonight's the night. And instead of getting, like, mad or disappointed at her, her dad puts together the whole party for her so that everyone can see her off at midnight. He goes up to her room and tells her how gorgeous she looks and how much she reminds him of her mother. And then Kiki asks him, can you lift me up in the air like you did when I was little? And through a lot of effort, he does manage to do it. And just like, it's a physical representation of the love he has for her. And just like, it was so adorable and touching that he knows he has to say goodbye to his daughter. And so he's trying to bring her the joy that he gave her as a child one last time. And it's just, oh, it hit me so good. Are you going to do that with King? Are you going to lift him over your head? Oh, he hates that. <laughs> You've done that, huh? I have to lift him off of the couch. If I, if I did he... that, I would have claw marks on my face. So. The thing is, I is I can't support all of his limbs at once. So there's always like one leg sticking out and flailing around. I also think that we learn where Kiki gets her um, coordination from flying from as <laughs> when the camp he tries to like run after her after they talk about camping. He just like face plants after tripping over stuff. And I'm like, Oh, so that's why she's so bad at steering. <laughs> that's why I thought she was just a bad wit. <laughs> so yeah. Did you guys have any moments that hit you particularly well or something you just really enjoyed a certain scene at all? Cat love. Let's talk I about like, cat love. I like that. There's, the cat falls in love and gets a fluffy girlfriend. Oh, her and what did what did he call her at the very when 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 he first sees her and she kind of looks at him and goes humph and raises her nose and he's like excuse me Miss Fluffy Pants or something. I don't remember what he what he said, but but her name is Lily. She's fluffy and white, and they go on to have little kittens. One thing we should talk about cat love, perhaps. Uh, it seems the further he gets in that relationship, the further he gets away from Kiki, right. and Kiki loses her power to talk to him. Cat cat love is not the reason behind that. I I um. know. Do we think he gets his voice back? See, that's what I I was wondering because he never you don't hear him talk ever okay. after that, and I wasn't sure at the time. It was I think the first time you hear him just meowing instead of talking is before she loses the ability to fly. I think and no, that's so, what sets her off to try being able to fly. Yeah, and well, when she yeah, falling on her face. and that. But I'm just wondering. It was after he went and met up with Girl Cat, so I was like, well, it could be a cat thing that now he's trying to get away from being a human pet, and now he's back to his catness. So, so <laughs> here is the official response. Catness Everdeen. Yeah. All right. 
Would you like the official response? Yes, please. So in one of the English dubs, he does talk. But oh. the official Japanese response from Miyazaki himself. King wanted to talk there. Is no. It's no, he does not talk again. And that her being able to talk to Gigi. Gigi. No. Gigi. Is, yes. is another thing of being able to talk to the cat is a childish, um, juvenile thing. And her, and it wasn't necessarily completely a sign of her losing her magic. And so both the losing the magic and her not being able to talk to the cat is, I guess, kind of like a teen crisis thing. And so she gets her magic back when she gains her thing, but she doesn't regain the the ability to talk to the cat again because she's kind of outgrown it. But I thought it was explained as being part of her witch's powers, which is how she knew she couldn't fly anymore. Well, right. That's what Kiki assumes. Again, she has not had got a lot of instruction from her mom. <laughs> Though the uh, the other cat we meet with the, the witch who is finishing up her year of training, does that cat talk? I can't remember. No. Okay. Then that could, that could definitely check out. Sarah, I am surprised that your favorite moment wasn't the good, good dog in this film. The good, good dog is very good. <laughs> I Jeff. like that because yeah. the cat's Jeff's all good, nervous good about it and it and the dog just like protects the cat the whole time it's there. Yeah. Oh, I loved him so much because the dog knows that he's fake and he wants to keep it from humans so that they don't find out he's fake. <laughs> and then like he understands that the cat needs to go, and he just takes the cat outside. He's just, he's a very smart and good boy. He's a good boy. Uh, Miyazaki has said that Gigi is the immature side of Kiki and implies that Kiki, by the end of the original Japanese version, has matured beyond talking to her cat. Well, and I, it's interesting how their names are so similar, too. Well, I, I assume Kiki named him. So possibly, you know, little kids, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that they'd want something that sounds like their own name. Going back to your other question, I think maybe not a specific moment. There's the time when she steals an old man's broom off the street. <laughs> yeah. She asks him if she can borrow it, and he says no, and she says sorry and grabs it anyway. <laughs> like... Well, yeah, because she's very polite, but she also recognizes the uh, the extreme urgency of needing that broom right away. Because she couldn't have just found another broom somewhere. The, it does it does bring up the the whole like hocus pocus witches though, because now you can just any anything that you can sit on, you can make fly if you're a witch. <laughs> so. Well, no, it is specifically brooms or I guess cleaning things. Yeah, in the case of hocus well. pocus. Because they used a vacuum cleaner. On it. Right, but, exactly. But, but that's I, just a modern broom, She kind of just sits in the middle of this. It's kind of a... And it's something that I think I have seen on in anime stuff more often than, than you would see it in American movies. Where there's that part, and also when she's trying to save him, where there's just no music at all. And a lot of oh. times here, you would have a big soundtrack about, like, here's all, it's all, it's all ramping you up to the big exciting part at the end. And this was just, here is complete silence so you can focus. And then it's right at the end when she catches him from falling is when it's big fanfare all of a sudden. So I think it kind of adds to the whole feeling at the end but that the that when she catches him but then also when she's trying to she steals the broom and is trying to make it work it gets really quiet and you just hear the rumblings of magic as it goes into the broom apparently it reminds <laughs> me of you know in lord of the rings whenever something really sad would happen it'd get really quiet and you just have like choir sad choir singing like all the like ambient noise would cut out and it'd just be like 
like handfuls with Gandalf. <laughs> Sorry, what was it like? Was that a choir? <laughs> you want Sarah to sound like a choir with one voice? <laughs> no, but like I don't know. It sounded like she was far away in a box screaming for her life. But but they do it in Bridge of Khazad-dûm in Lord of the Rings when Gandalf falls. Like all the noise cuts out and it's just like sad little angel singing. It's like this movie's version of that. Though in the Lord of the Rings, especially with Gandalf falling, it's I think that's meant to represent like the shock of that moment because it's such a dramatic moment that they can't internalize because they need to escape. It just, it has happened. There's nothing it can do about it. They can process it later, but they can't internalize it now. Whereas I think what it is in this movie, I saw it more as like Kiki going inside of herself. Going looking, into the zone? Looking down deep, basically. Zoning out the rest of the world and focusing on her magic. So it's like, oh, so it's like in that sports movie when like they're going to the free throw line and everything is quiet and all you hear is the sound of the basketball dribbling. Oh, Sarah, that's just a basketball game. You, <laughs> you shouldn't talk when somebody's trying to make a free throw. No, but like everything gets quiet and then... They they hit it and then all the noise comes back in. Very dramatic. Uh, that, again, that is from again, some movie. That is I don't remember just, what that, that is. That is just a basketball game. Nobody talks during a free throw, and if it goes in, people cheer. But there's still ambient noise. But yes, in that's movies, fair. the ambient noise all goes away, and you just hear thud, thud, and then they shoot, and then all the noise comes back in. It's a very dramatic moment, and then they win the game. Yes, they win the sports ball. Uh, Mark, I I know my point. movie references. <laughs> I think you're right. It's like this, there was such a great moment in the film because the music in this film was also really good. I especially love the Japanese version of doo-wop that plays at the opening of the film, like when she turns on her radio to go fly away from town. That that Japanese song at the beginning, that is, that is a jam. Yeah. I need to find that. It's a jam. All right. Are we ready to get to the climax of this film? You mean giant air tragedy? Yes. Giant air tragedy. Oh, the humanity. Do you think so those guys to, in the dirigible are dead? Yeah, we, well, I was going to bring it up, but we, I got to explain this to our audience Kay. first. Uh, so, throughout the film, there's been foreshadowing, especially on the radio or on the TV, about this giant dirigible that is flying and could land in the town, and then it sets uh, sets down, and, like, the kids are all excited because they're into flying machines, and they go and they tour the thing, and it's, uh, this is in a time period where air travel like this is new and novel, and it's very exciting to see something fly through the air at all. What? Time period. I would put this maybe four thirties or forties. Yeah, there's I'd say cars. That's probably accurate. There, there are cars, but like air travel is new and exciting. We don't have commercial airlines for travel yet. So, uh, especially Tombo is really interested because he has that interest in flying. Uh, towards the end of the film, Kiki's lost her powers. She's watching on the television. A giant windstorm is coming into the town and watching on TV, it hits the blimp and it starts pulling up all the ropes that are tying the blimp to the ground uh, and they don't have enough people on board to fly the blimp safely. Uh, and so it just, it releases some of the guide ropes. It lifts off the ground on its own. Uh, Tombo tries to stop it and for some reason a child... Uh, is in the front line of trying to pull this thing down with a bunch of sailors. Uh, and so he ends up going off. Uh, so it's the blimp. 
It's tied to a car for some reason. Yeah, it's a blimp basically upside down, so the nose is pointed towards the ground. A line, a rope coming down from that, tied off to a car, and then Tombow in between. And it's just, because of the wind, it's flying precariously through the town and eventually crashes into a clock tower. Now, that's a good point you bring up, that there apparently weren't enough people to fly it. Because I hadn't really thought about the fact that while they're flying around, he's talking to the captain and crew who are in there, in the cabin. So, what are they doing in there if they're... Not a I have to. to I have to assume there's some of like pre-launch stuff that they need to verify or take care of to fly off safely. They said the problem was there was high winds, so it wasn't safe. Like it was getting blown away. That's why they were trying to tie it down. And then when they couldn't fix it, was says they didn't have enough hydrogen in it. Ah. Because remember when they were trying to get it above the clock tower, he said, we can't get it higher. It doesn't have enough hydrogen left. Are you sure it was hydrogen? I mean, I know it was popular. I do remember in this film it being helium just because they, I believe the Hindenburg was before this and they understood the dangers. hydrogen, whatever gas was in the thing, they didn't have enough of it left in to lift it above the clock tower. I'm just saying hydrogen is super dangerous and we've learned things about air travel and I think the creators of this film knew that. Although the book certainly is, doesn't explode in this movie, so... No. Well, is, yes, but it also doesn't have a fire Those sword. were two of the problems of why it wasn't working correctly. Right, okay. But yeah, so this is where you get that quiet moment of Kiki with a stolen broom. <laughs> channeling her powers and taking off i one of the things i want to note about what i love i love her flying in this movie because it is so precarious pretty much every single time when she takes off the beginning she's bouncing off of trees and she's done this so much that the townspeople or her parents have put bells in the trees just to keep track of where she is uh, and when she takes off in the stolen broom, she's bouncing off of the buildings uh, as she goes higher and higher. And I can't tell if it's the wind or her trying to manage her magic. But a lot of times, like, she'll drop out of the air and then manage to catch herself right near the ground and then just go along the ground as quickly as possible. The part where she first is on the broom trying to channel the magic is interesting because you notice that the broom that she had from her mom at the beginning was all kind of flayed outwards and crazy bristles. This one was just one of those normal flat street sweeping style brooms and it's got good bristles on it until she's sitting there like on it in the middle of the street trying to work up her magic and then you see the bristles all go thump, like and poof out and that was like uh, apparently now that. it That's is magicified so <laughs> well yeah she's channeled her magic through it so um I guess that's the same way like electricity would work when you touch one of those balls and your hair goes crazy. So <laughs> sure. One of those hair balls. The, you know what I mean. It, but that's I guess static more, but so but yeah, it's that was again one of those points I was talking about where it's like it, everything gets quiet and you just kind of hear it ramping up until the broom is turned on and then she takes off. Yeah, and so towards the end of the film we see the blimp crash into the clock tower. Now it is losing a lot of its helium. Uh, the car has broken off and it is just a bumper that uh, Trombo, Combo, what's his name? Tomboy. <laughs> Tomboy uh, is hanging on to. Um, and nobody, there's no way that anybody in the town can get 
to him on this rope and save him except for Kiki and through battling the wind and like through a lot of trial and error she manages to like maneuver her unsteady broom close enough to almost reach his hand and it's one of those classic like Disney or childhood film moments where like they're brushing their fingertips and like arms outstretched trying to get a hold of each other and then he falls <laughs> and then it goes quiet and she zooms down towards him so and this is kind of what i was talking about because normally if you're watching some kind of action movie and somebody's about to fall you would get this all this music like you, there would be a score of something like trying to get you excited for the moment and something's going to happen um or or the hero would be suddenly so perfect at everything because now now someone's life is in the balance they they suddenly channel all this energy and become perfect at everything they've suddenly mastered all of their ability yeah and which kiki does not obviously because her broom is going all over the place so to be fair it's a new broom that yeah. is true her mother says at the beginning that older brooms are more reliable well they're old i think her point was the Older broom is more reliable, and it has proven itself to be more reliable because it has gotten so old. Probably just pulling a broom off the street that's not a witch's broom. I, I understand. <laughs> yeah. It's probably not meant to fly, uh, but I guess my point was, it's not necessarily the older a broom gets, the more reliable it is. It's more, the more reliable a broom is, the older it gets because it survives longer. Also, Kiki's Delivery Fist takes place in an alternate reality 1950s. Ah, there we go. You were right on the money. Um, and apparently World War One and World War Two never happened in this alternate reality. Yeah, they put they stuck all of that in Howl's Moving Castle. <laughs> and also turnips. Turnip people. Uh, though, um, to end this film for our listeners, Kiki does catch Tomboy Trumbo. Tombo! <laughs> Tombo out of the sky uh, just before he would have crushed into the ground and become a splatter. Maybe that's another alternate ending to this film. She does save him and slowly lifts him down to the ground, and everybody cheers. But to Sarah's point, the crew is still in this thing. And what about that guy that was in the clock tower? What happened to old clock tower man? What? He did- he's still in the clock tower. He's fine. But the blimp went into the clock tower. Well, the blimp- I took that to be, like, the clock tower with its point on top- poked a hole in the blimp. Yeah, but the blimp's on top <laughs> of the clock tower goes... now. It crunched the whole top. But, like, it's not gonna... He could still breathe. He's not in any danger. It doesn't damage the clock tower. Yes, it does! The blimps aren't light once all of the air comes out of them. Sure, but I don't think it's gonna pull a brick building down. I don't think it's that heavy. I mean, if it's crunched up the whole top and it starts falling down, yes. I don't think it did crunch up the top. I think... I think the surface of the blimp was a lot weaker than the uh the but you structure definitely of this see it building. completely destroying the top decorative part when it runs into it. Maybe. You're also calling that a decorative part, not a structural part. Yeah, but I mean if that starts crumbling, it's just gonna take that whole top down. Maybe. I think the old man is fine. That clock tower has been there for hundreds of years, probably. But if if the top part hit that and then the basket swing down and then runs into the side that's gonna cause see damage. but the basket's not gonna swing down because it's also caught in the other buildings across the street i guess like the basket is suspended in midair as it slowly Those losing anyway dead. nobody seems to care about the captain and crew of this what about dirigible that, how about the 
guy who was in the pool when the car fell into it. Oh, he seems fine. <laughs> he shouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a particular choice by the director and by the storytellers of this film where, yes, the car does fall off and it falls to the ground, but in, like, cartoon or video game logic, it landed in water. It's fine. Except there were people in that pool. They got splashed. They're fine. They're all dead. Everyone's no, dead. No, that's not how <laughs> pools work. And what's her name is very happy about it. Oh, yes. Who? That. Oh, the maid lady? The maid lady. That's her official name. Absolutely. So everyone cheers. Nobody cares about the captain and crew and end of film. Uh, Sarah, do you want to tell us about the, the epilogue before we move on to games? Uh, so this is what we see, um, I think both during the credits and then there's like a little scene with lines somewhere in between oh. the credits. The cat has kittens and most of them are fluffy and white and then one looks like Gigi. Oh, Yeah, and uh, Kiki and Tombo fly off in the air the with plane, their friends. The plane, bicycle, weird thing works? Yeah, so it shouldn't. It really shouldn't. I would, I would love if this thing did exist, but physically it could not. Now, I, when, when he presented it to her, he told her it wasn't finished yet. So I was expecting maybe he would add wings or something, but apparently he didn't. No, no it's got it, a whole body wings. around it. Yeah. When it's flying. But it's, well, not, not during the movie. No. Not during the movie. It's but in when the it's flying, it's got a yeah, body yeah. and wings. It's right, just right. They, real he basically weird. put like a plexiglass bubble cabin around him so he could see out and quote unquote be aerodynamic and then connected to that body as the wings that somehow provide lift but that's not how planes maybe do. he just went down a big hill and off a ramp and now it's just a glider and okay and, and, he's and, falling <laughs> with style and there's yes. baby everyone's happy and everyone is enjoying the summer day yeah and like the last thing we see is a letter that kiki has written her parents about how she's found a life here and is enjoying her time away. which is the first letter we see her write to her parents even though she should have mm -hmm. done that the first day she showed up she was depressed sarah <laughs> She wasn't depressed the first, what, like, there was times where she was happy and she should have written her parents or called Probably. her parents. She Probably. had a phone. She did have a phone. Maybe that was part of her year of being away is she couldn't contact them either. No, that's no. not true. <laughs> the, both the mom and the dad said, write us. Write yeah, us as soon yeah. as you find a place. Anywho, let's go on to games. <laughs> First game is the pitch game, a game in which we put together two or more properties in the form it's this meets this to describe this film. I'm going to start us off here telling our listeners what Kiki's delivery service is in terms of other things. So, <clears throat> since this is a Studio Ghibli film featuring a small girl traveling through a city without her parents, getting hired in a local business and doing a lot of cleaning and several favors for people around town, and a movie with a teenage girl with magical abilities arriving in a new town and wanting to make friends but wary of the popular crowd, uh, features a witch losing her powers and teens trying to make black clothing look fashionable. I'm gonna let Sarah handle the first one because I don't really know enough about those. I was going to say Mononoke because that's a name that popped into my head, but... <laughs> that is a Ghibli, but not this Ghibli. Um, is the second one now Sabrina? Now it's not the time for potatoes. So the first one is definitely Spirited Away. Correct. Ah, uh, the second one, uh, The Craft. It is The Craft. Oh, it is Spirited right. Away meets The Craft. 
I like the craft. I was angsty. I was an angsty teen. I think a lot really? of girls go through that <laughs> teenage witch phase. I really wanted to be goth, but I was too blonde to I really thought feel you like did I could for a while. Mm, no. Or at least you had black <laughs> lipstick. You still have black oh, lipstick. Oh, I own black <laughs> lipstick. I just <laughs> didn't go full goth. Ah, okay. You went half goth. I I wanted to go full Victorian goth. I wanted black ruffles. I wanted lace fingerless gloves. You wanted gloves. to be, I um, wanted... what's her face from Beetlejuice? Oh, sure. yes. <laughs> I wanted to be Lydia. And uh, I also Lydia wanted or, to be uh, um, Drusilla from Buffy. Angel's right. crazy girl. On to you, Mark. Spike's what is your girlfriend. first one? Uh, okay. So, because this is a movie where a witch in training gets help from some human friends, a common household items being used as flying vehicles and animals that can talk, meeting a film where the main character decides to help courier letters and packages to strangers and becomes a hero after rescuing his friends from peril. <sighs> so, is the first one Hocus Pocus? No. Is the first one... Sabrina. No. Is it Sabrina the Teenage Witch? No. Okay. Still. What, did you think I guessed the Audrey Hepburn romantic comedy? <laughs> there have been several properties of Sabrina. Some have different names. I don't know which one. I didn't know was how pedantic Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the animated series? Mark, was it? No. Was it? You have to tell us if it was. Uh, witch in training. Uh, is it Wendy meets Casper? No. <laughs> the Hillary Duff movie. Uh-huh. I have never even heard of this movie, but... Uh, I think that was the... Was that the third one or the second one? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I think it was maybe the third one. Mark, can you give us a hint? We have done a podcast about it. And it's not Hocus Pocus? Nope. Uh, are we to... Oh, or is this Bedknobs and Bruce? Hooray! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Meet something about delivering items. Delivering. Delivering items. Is this Paperboy? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Did you use a video game? <laughs> It's a film. Castaway. Is it that Disney Channel original movie about a paperboy? <laughs> no. Um, it is set in the future, I believe. I was going to say The Transporter, but that's not super set in the future. No. Oh, oh, uh, is this Star Wars? N no, because that's not in the future. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, you're right. Um, oh, okay. Is this Futurama? No. Okay. It does involve transporting this things, doesn't it? Live I forgot action. that that's a real job, isn't it? Yep, this he's is, a delivery boy. This is a live uh, action movie uh, with Kevin Costner. Waterworld. No. The, the, oh, oh, the postman? Yes. <laughs> I, okay. I, I wiped that movie from my brain. Yeah, but you still remember Waterworld? No, he remembered Waterworld. I remember Waterworld because <laughs> it's bad. So completely, that was Bedknobs and Broomsticks meets The Postman. <sighs> All right, Sarah, what is your first one? So this is about a teen witch coming into her powers, making friends, and learning how to kind of be herself and be a teen witch, meets a Studio Ghibli film about a young girl making friends with a young boy. Hmm. Is that Sabrina? <laughs> That is Sabrina, finally. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, is it My Neighbor Totoro? It is not. I think there's a young boy that. Uh, is it Spirited Away? Because no. that's not a real boy. But he's beautiful. He's a 
river. He's a river He's dragon. He's a river dragon. Is this Hal's moving castle? No. Golly. Just, just start naming no, off are, all of those them, Those are Carl. adults who fall in love. This is a young girl meets a young boy. I am naming the ones that I have seen. I haven't seen all the Studio Ghibli okay. despite owning. Is this Ponyo? This is Ponyo! Yeah, okay. Uh, my next guess was going to be uh, Princess Mononoke and then Spirit of the Wind. So I'm glad I got to it. I thought it was Valley Wind or something. Valley, Valley of the, the Wind. wind. Not, oh, I don't remember what the first word is. It's, it's something with an N, something Valley of the Wind. Um, Ponyo, cute movie about a fish girl meeting a boy and getting her aggressive father to chill out. Yeah. All right. So, Sarah, in total, what was that? It was Sabrina the Teenage Witch, whichever incarnation of that you want. Meets, mm-hmm. well, except for that new one. Don't count that new one. Uh, meets Ponyo. All right, my next one here. <clears throat> Since this is a movie with a magical flying character coming to a new city and making friends with the local children and helping some of them learn how to fly and needing to save them at the end of the film. Meets a property with a character wearing a red and white striped shirt, blue pants, and glasses who really wants to be seen by someone. <laughs> Peter Pan meets Waldo. Correct. Also, <laughs> where's Waldo? But yes. Oh, well, well, that's close uh, enough. What is the British version of it? Is it um, Wally? Wally. Where's yeah. Wally? Gotcha. Yeah, well. All right, Mark, your next one. Hooray. Those were actually ones that I knew. <laughs> I don't know why, but as a joke, I was just going to say E.T. for the first one for something <laughs> real stupid. <laughs> I mean, does make a wow. He does make a bicycle fly. Yeah, I should have used that. Yeah, that's pretty. Anyway, for my second one, uh, because this is a movie about a young girl with supernatural powers, with the help of a motherly figure who is not her real mother, and learns to harness her abilities and find her place in the world, and a property where the main character arrives in an unknown place, quickly makes friends with the first people we see, and gets hired to ensure that cargo reaches its destination by using a flying vehicle. Uh, is the second one here, Futurama? Yes. <laughs> okay. And that is a Tangled? No. Okay. A uh, young girl. Real... All right. Um, <laughs> young girl. I said a young girl. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun. You going to the Pocahontas. YWCA? <laughs> what? Is it Pocahontas? No. I just thought it Younger. Mother Willow. Grandmother Younger Willow. girl. Younger girl. She's Younger than to be like Pocahontas. Younger than Rapunzel that you said already. Right, right. Uh, girl magical. Uh, escape to Witch Mountain. Um, There's two of them in that. There are. <laughs> uh, I need a hint. Oh, boy. She... They're actually... No, I guess there isn't really a villain, but there is an evil person that she encounters in. Okay. Um. Oh, is it literally any movie? Wizard of Oz. <laughs> what? <laughs> this okay so it, it throughout the movie we see this person going to elementary school matilda oh matilda <laughs> i see so for the listeners that was matilda meets futurama okay. all right sarah go ahead with your second one so this is a property where a young witch who's not very good at things tries to find her talent and make friends and become a better witch, meets a young girl who feels like she doesn't fit in in a small Europeanish village. Europeanish. Is it Beauty uh, and the Beast, the second one? Yes. <laughs> okay, good. I'm not uh, sure if you'll get the good. first one. Uh, do you want to give us a hint, Soda, or just tell us outright? 
Uh, it's two words, and one of those words is witch. Hmm. The good witch. Good witch. <laughs> um, bad witch. That is very, very close. Horrible witches. <laughs> Women be witches. No. <laughs> Literally, the title describes what she is. So thinking like bad witch and something sure, sure. is close. Uh, inept witch. Um, <laughs> Keeping that vague. Uh, 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 mistake witch. A She's not the best sandwich. witch. She's the... Worst witch. Worst witch! That also sounds like a terrible sandwich. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a British TV show about a little girl who goes to witch school and she's not a good witch. She's Okay. She's, she's very bad. But she has to learn, use her determination and her perseverance to become a better witch. Gotcha. I think Tim Which Curry was in kind, the first version. Kind of sounds like this movie. If you're yeah. not very good at what you do, just try harder and suddenly yeah. it will work. It's a good message for children. For All right, my last one here. Um, so this is a movie with a young witch leaving home to pursue her magical education using a train for part of her journey, trying to ride a broomstick but doing it poorly, and using her skills to save her male friend from almost certain death at the end of the film. Meets a film with a young Kirsten Dunst playing a love interest for a local boy, and Phil Hartman as a know-it-all trying to make decisions for her, featuring an adolescent tending a local shop and maybe taking on more than they can handle. Harry Potter, but from Hermione's point of view. Correct. And Small Soldiers. <laughs> yes, it is Harry Potter meets Small Soldiers. It nailed it in one. <laughs> I forgot she was in that movie. Yeah, he, he plays Kirsten Dunst's dad. And I, I picked it because uh, it's a film with a young Kirsten Dunst. And then as I was writing, it's like, oh, yeah, Phil Hartman's also in this. Is is the main character the kid from Everwood? I think so. Anyway, while you look that up, Mark, go ahead with your final one here. <clears throat> yeah, it's Gregory Smith. I, th- I don't know who that is. So, the kid from Everwood. <laughs> I've never seen this thing. Uh, my last one, this is a movie where an adult gives youngsters with special abilities a place to live in order to exploit their abilities to grow their, his own business. Baby genius. And a movie where a teen- teenager leaves home to explore the use of their superhuman abilities, but a falling out between close friends leads to the loss of those abilities until a loved one needs to be rescued. Also, Kirsten Dunst. Interview with a vampire. Uh, Jumanji. <laughs> No. Gosh, I, I gotta go through my young Kirsten Dunst films. The Virgin Suicides. Dick. Spider-Man. That's close. Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man or Dick? Spider-Man 3? Is it, is it Bring It On? It, n- no. <laughs> it's not Spider-Man 2 or Spider-Man 3? I think it's Spider-Man 2. He does lose his ability. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. He loses his powers and he falls on that car. What? He loses his powers and falls on that car. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, the first one is where the adult uh, gives the and kids a place n- to live to exploit their abilities. And it's not Baby Geniuses. And this is this a weird take on X-Men? No. I thought about that while I was writing it, but that's not what it is. Uh, is this a series of unfortunate events? No. Okay. Other powerful teens or monsters. Uh, it's a movie that you have already mentioned. Is it? <laughs> Where's Waldo? <laughs> Is that a movie? <laughs> yeah, it could be. It'd be very boring. He's just in the background of every scene. <laughs> Turns out it's actually a spy thriller. Huh. Um, this movie was made in the seventies. 
Peter Pan. No. Oh. They're trying to get away to a place. Oh, Escape from Witch Mountain? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Escape to See, Witch I, Mountain. I have vague remembrances of that film. So beyond the children having superpowers, I'm kind of I remember lost on the, rest of it. the terrible nineties TV version with Eric Von Denton better. Yes. And weirdly yes. Elizabeth Moss is in it. What other stuff has she been in? Because I, I, when I was Mad looking Men. up about that one, I well, I, I've never seen that show, but I saw pictures I, I of the think. TV version uh, one, and was, I was like, I know her from somewhere. She's but. recently in the Invisible Man movie. I can't yeah, remember which we, character it is because I can't picture the guy that you mentioned, but it's definitely a version I watched because I remember having the realization that both the main protagonist and the antagonist from Brink are in that Escape to Witch Mountain. And the purple candy, and it turns out they're aliens. All the twins are aliens and they go into space. Uh, let's go on to our second game, which is alternate taglines. A word or phrase you would see in the movie poster for the film that encapsulates the theme, though possibly misses the point. So, I am going to start us off here again, telling our listeners what Kiki's Delivery Service uh, main theme is, I guess. So, <clears throat> I have Kiki's Delivery Service. A good witch, but not a very talented one. <laughs> Mark, go Oh, ahead. I forget. That's me next. Kiki's Delivery Service. At least it has good animation. <laughs> Aww. I said Kiki's Delivery Service. Still better than UPS. Aww. Uh, very <laughs> nice. My next one here was Kiki's Delivery Service. Same day airmail shipment with no extra charge. <laughs> Sometimes not the same day because she got delayed by birds. Anyway, <laughs> keep in mind I wrote this one a week ago uh, before our conversation. Kiki's delivery service. Upskirt hentai for the whole family. Ho oh boy. <laughs> ho boy. <laughs> yeah, Mark, I had the, the thought watching this that it's not weird unless you make it weird yeah and you made it weird all right sarah go ahead i don't have any oh, oh that's, that's right. right you only had one in this category why are you making sorry. me sad i'm sorry i forgot i forgot the numbers even though right in front of my face all right um so my next one here um <clears throat> oh i should mention uh this one i based on the um because my mom is a postal delivery person, this is the postman's code paraphrase. I have Kiki's delivery service. Neither rain, nor cops, nor crows, nor gloom of night shall stay this witch from her swift courier's flight. Nice. Um, oh, and I guess I'm the only one with one left. I just realized. Again, <laughs> no, I have the numbers in front of my eyes, but I can't look at them. Um, my final one here. It's the same theme I got from watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer this year. <laughs> also about somebody learning to fly. Uh, it's Kiki's Delivery Service. It's okay to be weird as long as you're also useful. All right, let's go on to our final game here, which is the TV guide game describing the plot of this film. Uh, to our listeners in uh, what I normally say here, because I think I've already screwed it up. The plot you would find in a Netflix or TV guide description, which is accurate, though possibly misses the point. Close enough. Yeah, close enough. I'm going to start us off again telling our listeners what the plot of Kiki's Delivery Service is. So here we go. <clears throat> it's a movie where a young witch leaves home to continue her training, then just does not train at all for the rest of the film, never getting any better than she already was. <laughs> I, I thought you were supposed to miss the point, Carl. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> I would argue that's not what the director of the sale wants us to take away from <laughs> True. it. True. Uh, Alright. When his flying bike fails to woo the girl of his dreams, Tombo takes the next obvious step of purposely being caught up in a catastrophe so she will rescue him and realize that she loved him all along. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a real princess dragon situation, huh? Alright, Sarah, what is your one here? A girl uses her looks and kindness to support her useless business. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, my last one here. The story of a witch's familiar who abandons his post to pursue love, loses his ability to talk, and then is just never addressed again. I am... Um... I almost wrote something very similar to that, and then I scrapped it because I couldn't word it correctly. So I'm glad that you got it there. He has to support his baby mama. All right, so I have one more. I think I'm the last one. This film follows the adventures of newly emancipated teen as she begins her life of crime by running from the police after breaking the law in the first town she comes to, losing the item she is tasked with delivering, and passing off a fake as the actual gift, accepting payments higher than the agreed-upon price, and stealing a man's broom. Huh. To be fair, I don't think the price was agreed upon because she hadn't said it yet. <sighs> but she did. She said, that's more than you owe me, so they must have known what the price was. Oh, uh, yeah, for the old lady, mm -hmm. certainly. Yeah, yeah. I thought you meant for her first delivery where the woman just handed her money. And she's like, yes, this is the exact amount. <laughs> thank you. Uh, anywho. Let's go on to our reviews. Our first review scale is, of course, our infamous potato scale, telling our listeners what they can expect to feel while watching this film in terms of our relationship to potatoes. So, as always, I need to make some up. So, one of you, <laughs> go ahead and fill with your reviews. Uh, telling our listeners, Kiki's delivery service in terms of potatoes. Um, how many listeners do we need before it, be it, it moves from infamous to famous? No, it's infamous. It's always infamous. <laughs> always infamous potatoes. Well, I guess I mentioned to you that I had already written these down. <laughs> uh, I wrote down a help. lot more than I wanted to because I wasn't sure what I wanted to use. How dare you? Well, originally I was thinking tater tots because I just didn't really understand it and I didn't like it very much. And That's I figured, well, maybe no if you soul. guys remember loving it so much as kids, maybe it must be only for kids. But I don't know if that's necessarily true because of some of the stuff we've talked about. There's a lot of psychological background stuff going on that maybe they would not pick up on. I also thought Fritz, which was lost in translation or foreign, and just because it was a Japanese movie. But I, I think it's I didn't foreign want to because use that Mark has either. no soul. <laughs> I well, I figured I was going to have some arguments about that today, but it's interesting I, that both of you also pointed Mark. out that it has no plot because that was one of my main complaints about it, and both of you agreed with that one. So I don't think it having no plot is bad. I think it's like like a kids' book where something happens and you learn so, a lesson and you do a thing. And what I ended up with here, we have box potatoes, which is not as good as it should be, and potato skins, which has its moments, but overall was not very good or not or i guess overall disappointing <laughs> and for me like there there were certain moments that i really enjoyed and got into it but overall i think not having much like the girl lands somewhere and flies around doing stuff and then the movie is done and it's like the, there's the big rescue scene at the end but it doesn't really seem to amount to much happening to her other than now she has confidence and the epilogue thing which is so quick and it's during the credits so it kind of just uh, is so abbreviated that it doesn't add much to it for me so i ended up with box potatoes and potato skins but also 
ribbon potatoes just because it's quirky and fun. <laughs> oh, I was like, if you think this is quirky, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, this is, I would say, the most accessible Studio Ghibli film. Like, I'm not sure, like, if we're starting him here, I'm not sure we can give him, like, a like a spirited away with big-headed yeah. baby. I'm not sure how he'll oh, handle right. big-headed baby. <laughs> yeah, isn't that, aren't the, uh, the weird head guys in that film as oh, well? Oh, yeah, the weird head guys are in that film. And but like you realize we also watched Return to Oz with all those crazy characters. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um I gave this a fingerling potato, which is where to go. Short. It said too short bite size. And I'd say this is very it feels almost like it should be like a TV sort of special. Um it like it is a kid's movie. It is very short put together. It doesn't necessarily feel full length that much. I mean it is full length, but it feels very um not as cinematic as some of the other Studio Ghibli things. Not in a bad way necessarily. It just feels very much for a younger audience than some of the other Studio Ghibli's. A little more contained story-wise, not as atmospheric. Not necessarily bad. It just definitely is skewed to be a little more, I said, accessible, a little more um, younger than some of the others. I also said mashed potatoes, heartwarming. It's just very sweet, very fun, just very, nothing super aside from like the big dirigible outfit, any, nothing very shocking or very concerning happened. It's just very nice and fun and like you'd put on to watch while you're eating warm soup and just enjoy. <laughs> now, yeah, and I, nice. I found after I watched it the first time, there were times what like during that week when I was like, you know, that's kind of a fun movie to just sit and have it playing just as a... I do that a lot with random wholesome movies where it's just playing in the background just for something fun to have on. Considering how emotional some of the other Studio Ghibli movies make me, this one is just nice and wholesome and lovely and doesn't make me cry about dead people in World War II. Uh So that's very nice. Right. It's nice to not think about World War II. I agree. Or like your (laughs) parents getting turned into pigs and turns out the guy that you are starting to develop emotional connection for is actually a, um, a river spirit. Oh, I thought you were going to tell you a weird bird monster. No. A river spirit! Sure. All right. So my review here that I've come up with while you guys were talking, I also had considered ribbon potatoes uh, because I think a lot of the Studio Ghibli style is really quirky and fun. As Sarah mentioned, a lot of them also get to the darker side of Japanese mythology. And this one doesn't explore that, doesn't really get into the spirit world at all, which can be very dark. Uh, it is much more lighthearted. It is much more fun. There's no weird Japanese mythology going on here. <laughs> right. I was also thinking mashed potatoes because the relationship Kiki has with the people that she meets is like she's such a good person and such a hardworking, enterprising little girl. Like, she just makes friends, whatever she's doing, because she doesn't care about the sale. She cares about, like, doing a good job. And adults really respond to that well for her. Uh, The final one I had here is kind of the way I feel about almost all of Studio Ghibli things, is that they're not my favorite animated things. They're not my favorite, like, movies to go back and visit, but they're, they're so good. They're all really good. They're just not my favorite. 
and so I'm going for the steak and shake, which we have as a second place potato. It is not as good as a Five Guys fries, but it is still very good. All right, so that is going to take us on to our review scale, which is a uh, more traditional zero to ten scale, telling our listeners should they go back and watch this film. Um, I give this an eight. It's definitely like I chose this one special to be our first because there's a possibility I will pull out more Studio Ghibli at some point. And I specifically chose this one because one, this was the first Studio Ghibli I watched. And it is also definitely the, I would say the one of the best ones to start with. It's definitely very easy to watch. Definitely not as weird or heartbreaking as some of the others, not as violent. Um, it's a, it's a good starter for Studio Ghibli. Um, Either this one or Totoro, I would say, would be the places to start. And I might break out some more Studio Ghibli, so that's why I picked this one first. But it's not my favorite. Um, But I do still, I don't think there's a Studio Ghibli that I would say, oh, I don't like this one. They're all enjoyable, fun to watch, comforting. Um, But this definitely still would be below, like, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, Mononoke. Not sure. Eh, Maybe Totoro. Um, But but I still, I still enjoy watching it, especially I had a, I had a rough week this week. And just, like, sitting under my blanket and watching Kiki's Delivery Service was such a, like, it was like taking a warm bath. And you're like, oh, I am enjoying myself. And so I would say if you want to get into Japanese animation, but you don't know where to start and you're a little afraid, this is such a good one to start with. And it's such a good one to watch with the whole family. Especially people are like, eh, Japanese stuff is so weird. This one is so comparable to any sort of type of animation. It's not weird. You're not going to get weird heads. Yeah, it's very accessible. Yeah, and so that puts it so high and so beautiful. I, I really think it's it's a great one for anyone to watch, and I really enjoy it. All right. Well, I am, as we've done with the past couple episodes, looking at my previous reviews, and I, I maybe wasn't considering putting it this high until I looked at other things that I've rated. Um, and looking at these films, the ones that I think closely relate to the the way that i feel about this film are lilo and stitch and hocus pocus uh and for both of those they're very much in the high nine range and so i think i'm going to end up giving this a a a 9.8 like again it's not perfect i I wouldn't give it a 10 or a 12 sarah has done for some film um but i still think it is very good like if you remember enjoying this if you have any nostalgia for it you can go back and you will not be disappointed in this there's no like shocking moments it is as fun as you remember it being it is certainly at more atmospheric than it is plot driven but it is very comforting to go back and be in that atmosphere It's almost like watching a Disney ride. It's just like, this is comforting and fun. Yeah, so I think I'm I'm gonna end up at a nine point eight. You All both right, go back and like look at your movies and I'm just like, this is the number I feel at the moment. We have we have a list. We go back and look at the list. I know, but this I is just... why this is why we fix the numbers, cause you put Oh boy, you put that weird Indian kung fu movie where he was a scout at five and we had to go back and fix it. Man of the house it's called. But I speak from my heart and my heart feels things differently and you guys are like we have to look at things and i'm just like i feel this number i feel this number. i like being consistent i don't think i'm driven by the list but i look at these i look at these film titles i think of how i think about them now i think about how i think about this film now and then it gives me a good scale to work from emotionally i feel this number now man in the house you put it a five i know and i'm so mad about that 
not a five anymore. Sorry, Mark. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How how do I even follow up that that <laughs> to my emotional heart number? Yeah. Sure. Well, I <laughs> well as I'm I'm gonna drag down the average here, so you're gonna give it a two. Not quite a two. I I had it. Um, I I did what you did and looked at the list because that's what a normal thinking person would do. Am and... I a normal thinking person? <laughs> No, never. I've never accused you of that. <laughs> and so I was trying to, I don't know if it's the exact same that you, but I kind of look at the movies that we've done and see the number I gave it and try to say, well, do I like it more than that movie or less than that movie? And then try to gauge, you know, where, what the score should be based on the films around there. Um, and I will say originally <laughs> I had at a 5.75. Okay. That's almost a man of the house! For you. Not anymore. I think, so th I watched it once, and I wrote down a bunch of scribbles, uh, and and then I decided I should give it a second chance, so I watched it a second time to see what things I might have missed, or, you know, if, if anything improved. And I still don't really see much of a plot to it, <laughs> so I, that is mostly what's dragging it down for me, is I don't understand what the point of it is, because it's just... It's just some stuff that happens and nothing changes That's by the end. Of the movie. Yeah, it is. It is not a traditional three act film. So for sure. that is the. But now, as we have discussed, the animation, especially like every movie from Ghibli, is amazing. And I think for me, that would brings it up at least one point, if not more. But I mean, the even though there's not much plot to it. It is a heartwarming little animated film that you can put on and your whole family can enjoy it. <laughs> Minus the children in underwear. And <laughs> it's I, not again, underwear. again, you're Under making it weird. Yeah. The yeah. film itself does not make it weird. It did for me, our, but I, our audience is gonna think you're a creeper. Well It's it's also gonna feel like this film is sexualizing Kiki and it doesn't. Anyway. <laughs> Because it's, it's like bloomers. They're like, these are like the underwear, like, I wore like three layers of yeah, when I did right, Victorian but you don't, musicals. Every time she flies on the broom, they have to sit, film it from behind her so that you can see the underwear flapping in the breeze. You don't underwear, have to necessarily point out that she's wearing underwear every chance that you get. It's bloomers! Anyway. They're different! <laughs> so, I... I Again, judging by the movies around that range, I think I'm actually going to bring it up to about a seven. So hey, it still right. brings down the average, but it... it a little bit, but we're, it's we're pretty close to Higher together. than where I wanted it to be the first time I watched it. So <laughs> I think watching it maybe more than once so that you can get an appreciation for everything going on will be helpful. I just broke myself. Sarah, no. Sarah, don't what, break yourself. What? Um, I'm old and I stretch too far and pull the muscle in my back. <laughs> that's not how, that's not what stretching is supposed to do. It's not, but I'm old. <sighs> how do you think I, I feel? I'm, I understand I'm the youngest person on this podcast, but. Uh, so Sarah, it sounds like you need to go soon to fix your brokenness. <laughs> I need to go soon to fix, fix my, my dog. dog's dinner. Uh, uh, and so, can you tell our audience where they can find us online if they choose to do so? Uh, you can find us at Facebook at something. 
Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I just had a really bad twin. Just Google Facebook. We're there. Oh, this episode is a highlight reel today. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Uh, you can find us at Facebook at Retrograding Podcast. Uh, you can find us at... Um, the internet at... <laughs> 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 Sorry. The delay! The delay of the delivery! Our website is retrograding.fireside.fm. Our music is done by Dominic Barnes! Who continues to be great. I'm so sorry! You can find us on the internet. <laughs> where you found us before, because you're already listening. Anyway. Uh, it's so not wrong! To, to close us out here, uh, we our final segment is, Guys, I Learned Something Today. Something I learned while watching this film that I'm going to <gasps> mull over for the coming month until we release our next episode. Which is simply, Always Listen to Geese! Uh, so that's going to close out this episode of Retrograding. We will catch you guys next time. <laughs>